Welcome to Real Talk Podcast with the Homefield Group. I'm Jeff Bauer, broker at Royal Page. This is Kathy Dawson. She's a broker with the Homefield Group at Royal Page. And today we have a special guest from Main Street Credit Union, Sandra Coombs. She's going to talk to us today about financing and how we're going to get all those funds that we need to pay for a house because houses are expensive and most of the time people need to have a mortgage in order to buy one. A mortgage is a big loan. Uh, so Sandra, if somebody comes in to your office, they make an appointment with you, what are the first steps and what sort of documents do they need uh, in order to get the ball rolling for pre-approval? Well, we need, of course, specific documents. So we need to see um, a snapshot or a statement of where the down payment is coming from. Um, we need to see, like, if they've seen a home already, it depends have they seen a home that they want to purchase, that they're interested in, that they want to put an offer in on, then we need to see which property they're thinking about. Have they put an offer in already? We'd need the agreement of purchase and sale. Um, basically, uh, income, you know, it depends if they've got, if they're self-employed, we would need two years notice of assessment. So if, do they, when they come in, let's say they haven't looked at any houses yet and they come in and they want to get a pre-approval because us as realtors, we like to know that the person's going to be able to afford Absolutely. a house before they, yeah. before they start looking, because mm-hmm. it could be a waste of their own time, mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. time, seller's time. Um, so if they're coming in for pre-approval, you'd need to know their their income. So like a, like a pay stub? Just a couple of recent pay stubs yeah. to start okay. with, yes. Right. If we need to go more in depth, if they've switched around employer, employment a lot, we might need to you know, get a little more than that. So we need, basically, we're looking at like a three-year history. Okay. And then so, any student loans or debts that they're paying. Exactly, yeah. So when somebody's coming in, I don't necessarily like the word pre-approved because that gives people the impression they can go out and put an offer in on without financing. Right. And that's one of the things I've come across a lot in the years that I've been doing this. Yeah. Um, I've picked up a, a bunch of deals where they thought they had approval in place because right. of the pre-approved word. Yeah. And they actually ha- didn't. So the financing dropped. We came in at the last minute and we're able to, thankfully, help them out. So, so I prefer to use the word pre-qualified. Pre-qualified. Okay. So it's a, it's a better word to use because then if they come in to do that, they need um, income, savings again, because yeah. we still need to look at uh, where that down payment is right. coming from. That um, makes sense. And, and I we're do, pretty I diligent too about asking mm-hmm. them questions about how far they've got with that process to make sure that financing condition is in there unless they have cash and they're buying with cash. Exactly. You need any financing at all, you need a financing condition. Exactly. So the pre, when you're pre-qualified, as you call it, that will qualify the buyer for credit worthiness? Was that yeah, so there's, of- there's two different parts of a mortgage application. So there's you coming through as the applicant yeah. for to be qualified financially, and then there's the home. Right. Like, so the home has to come through to A, for the value that you're paying for it. And, uh, you know, just to make sure it's insurable, like cause an, um, a mortgaged home has to have home insurance. Right. So is so that where we get of, uh, an appraisal would come into, into play? So Joe Buyer comes in, gets pre-qualified. I can buy a house for up to $300,000. Usually give a range. Yeah. 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 And then they, you know, Kathy takes them out. They have a wonderful time, have this trust relationship with Kathy. And then they find a house they want. Kathy writes an offer with a condition on uh, financing. So then after that happens, then they come back to you with the, with the specifics of the house. Yeah. So generally when if somebody's coming in to see if they just want to be pre-qualified, I'll do all the legwork then. So get 
a good idea of what the member's looking for. We get a, we get a really good range where they're at. I don't normally pull a credit bureau at that stage, so I kind of like them to have a good idea of what's outstanding so we can, based on the information they're giving to us, we can give them a price range. So the credit bureau, that's like their credit score. Absolutely, so yes. So how does that factor in if somebody had, you know, past due payments or, uh, you know, had crippling debt five years ago, how much does the credit history or their credit score play into their uh, ability to get financing? Oh, it makes it, it's, it plays in a lot. Like if you've never borrowed before and you have no credit score, it's not just as bad, but it can be detrimental if than if you've borrowed and you've missed some payments and you've been late a few times. And But we see that all the time. A lot of times, um, maybe a member's bureau isn't as bad as they think it is. And I've, which in which case, if you're worried, if you come to see me for pre-qualification and you're worried about your credit, I would get them to sign and let's pull a credit bureau right now and let's see what the issues are, if any. So and then we can, we can see a record of that debt, whether it's a credit, just a credit card, their record of paying the debt, exactly. or if it's a car loan or whichever you exactly. want to see. So how the, are they making credit, those payments? A good credit uh, score is achieved not by the number of things you have on the credit, your, your credit bureau. It's not getting store cards all over the place. It's absolutely just having, say, a credit card and say a loan over two, three years that have repaid well. That's and all you, that's all you need. Payments. That's all you need. So for somebody just starting out, uh, getting a credit card or getting a small loan and making those payments would be advisable to just get their credit worthiness uh, ball rolling. Yeah. Good. So now that's it's one thing to make your your monthly payments on your mortgage once you get it and everything, but there's this big thing called the down payment. Now, mm-hmm. what's the what's the deal with that? How much how much do you need? How is someone supposed to save up for this like and huge amount of money? That's a very valid question because I mean, quite often if somebody's in their you know mid to late twenties, uh, early thirties, they're already they're paying rent also. So it is tricky to get that down payment set aside. So sometimes when we look at meeting with somebody to do a pre qualification, it actually turns into a plan. Okay, it might not be doable today, but let's focus on getting this, this, and this paid down over the next. Let's come up with a two-year plan or a one-year plan to get your your everything under control, so you're ready. You're in a strong position to buy a home. And so how sometimes you're going to save for that down payment exactly. and keep buying your lottery tickets. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bring now, what, about, what if mom and dad have some money saved for you or something like that? Like we've seen that a lot lately. Mm-hmm. How. You know, because it's so hard when you're paying mm-hmm. rent. What if mom and dad want to contribute, or you get an inheritance, or something like that? That you can use that for down payment. Absolutely, and the minimum is five percent. So you to get yourself into a home, you only have to have five percent. Plus, we like to see that you've got a little extra for the closing costs. Right. Like okay. currently, the lawyer is uh, the the government is picking up the land transfer tax right. for first time home buyers. Right. That usually is quite a big lump sum. Yeah. It can be depending on the the value of the home. Yeah, the land transfer taxes, uh, for those that don't know, it's a tiered amount of money that you have to pay when you purchase a house when it's not your first purchase. It's like one and a half percent on the first three hundred thousand dollars, but that's not the right numbers. That was just it's something picked up. Like, I think it's pretty yeah. close. <laughs> and it's based then, on the purchase price. Yeah, and then yeah. as the price escalates. Yeah. Fortunately, we're in an area of the province where there's not a municipal land transfer tax. For mm-hmm. those that may be listening in Toronto, uh, there's they get doubled up. The province takes a land transfer tax, and the municipality of Toronto takes mm-hmm. a land transfer tax, and they're paying 
a huge amount of money for those houses. So that turns into a, a quite a substantial amount at closing. It does. So, so then we got, we got, that's what we like to do when we pre-qualify. So we're letting the member know that it's, you have your 5% down. You need at least say 1500 to 2000 for lawyer's fees. There's also, if we're going with Genworth or CMHC, so if you don't have the 20% down, so anything below that, so with this example of 5%, um, on that Genworth premium, there is going to be an 8% PST that has yep. the premium gets added back into the okay. mortgage, but there's a PST of 8% on the premium. So that, you, that but the that's member in your has mortgage payment, or no, you have to have that up front. No, the premium itself is added to the mortgage payment, right. but there's an HST, a PST of 8% on the premium that has to come. You know, we have to have that right. in closing. So this, is, so a, this often, is a great example of how in-depth this mortgage yeah. process can be and why you have to get a professional. So when somebody has applied for their mortgage, you're going to tell them uh, what the what the mortgage rate is, like the, the interest rate. You're going to uh, tell them what the term of the mortgage is and the amortization. What are those things and what do those things mean? So what's the term of a mortgage? Yeah. So the term is, the, so when we quote an interest rate, so currently the five-year interest rate is 2.99. So if we're looking at that rate, that rate is good for five years. So that's the term. Okay. The amortization, of course, we can't pay $200,000 off over five years. That would be so a the, big payment. Uh, it would be a very big payment. <laughs> <laughs> We'd never have anybody yeah. buying any homes. So the amortization is uh, 25 years. So they take the $200,000, spread, spread it over, it over 25, 25 years, years. But the actual term that your interest rate is and when it comes up for renewal is that five years. That's right. Okay. That's right. And there is also the qualifying payment. Now, people might have heard bantered around like the stress test, yeah. the mm -hmm. qualifying payment, and it scared some people off, I believe. But like I haven't, to be honest, as a lender, had too much yeah. trouble getting things approved, taking that but into with account. With the stress test, you have to, as a buyer, qualify for a higher interest rate, don't you? Is that correct? Correct. And that's one that the government, uh, the government mandates that. So currently Just to it's- keep you, keep things safe. Well, so the can... idea behind that, and I do agree with the stress test. So its current rate is 5.19. So although you're not, you're paying a mortgage payment based on 2.99, I've got to qualify you as if you could afford 5.19. And the reason they came up with that is because interest rates are so low right now and have been for quite some time, the government wants to make sure that in five years time, when your mortgage becomes due, what if it's now 4.99 or 5.99? Can you still you afford can still your home? Afford right. House. right. So yes. it's protecting from foreclosure and from a potential. It's just making sure you're making the right yeah. decision. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because you don't, nobody wants to be mortgage poor. Yeah. yeah right. For sure. And that we talked about this in our last podcast too. You, you know, you, you figure out where you want your payment to be, what kind of house you want, and that you're going to be able to have the lifestyle that you're used to and you're not, you know, house poor and, just eating craft dinner out of a cat. No, exactly. <laughs> and if you if you've managed to save, say you've been at home, you know you're still at home and you're in your late twenties, which happens a lot because yeah. it's affordable, and you've managed to save a lot, then maybe the conversation needs to be okay. What kind of improvements do you need to do on this new home? Yeah. Should we be holding back some of your savings? Should we be, you know? So it's a whole conversation about what the member in front of you really. Really need. So what on, do that, they want? on that note, let's say uh, somebody buys a house that does need some work. Uh, what's the, I've heard of purchase plus improvements. So, mm -hmm. so th this, I believe, is you get uh, your your mortgage amount, but then you get a little bit 
extra that you can use for for projects in the house or yeah so basically it's um the certain percentages that cmhc and gemworth will allow without too much trouble the the problem not problem per se it is a little trickier because now i'm going to base your you still have to have five percent of what you want for your home improvements so say that's forty thousand right you, your mortgage is 200 you want to add 40 for improvements now it's 240,000 you have to have 5% of the 240 right and it's all advanced at once and there's a holdback of the 40,000 for your home improvements so you guys keep the 40,000 we it's just literally undispersed from yeah. the mortgage yeah. so it's sitting there ready to be dispersed yeah. but you are paying interest on yeah. it from that first day yeah now, so then then i go and i replace my siding and windows and then the bill comes. Then in. the bill comes and, yeah. and it gets so paid the whole money. The whole purpose behind that is that, so you would get us, we need estimates, right. we need quotes. Yeah. So say it's the windows and the kitchen and the bathrooms yeah. and we get those quotes in and then we have to send out, so say you get your kitchen done but you haven't got the bathrooms or the windows done yet, that's okay. You bring in your invoice for the kitchen, you have 30 days generally to pay your invoice, yeah. we release the funds, we have to have an inspection done. Right. So we'd send an appraiser out just to have an inspection to make right. sure it's done in good right. workmanlike right. quality. And once he says that, yes, the kitchen's been done, we can release how much okay. the quote said was needed for the kitchen. So this is a way for people to load, like front load their mortgage with those renovation costs that might come up over time. Yeah, so that fixer up that you yeah. might, you know, yeah. you might have be in, really interested in this yeah. home, but you don't have the money to yeah. do the kitchen that really needs to be done. And they're the for mm -hmm. then they're borrowing that money at, a mortgage rate as opposed to if they were borrowing that money at a, at not a, a mortgage rate. rate at yeah. a, at a exactly, because right. be the only mm -hmm. time that you can go over 80% loan to value, which is means, you know, like 80% of the value of your home is when you purchase. You can go up okay. to 95% and you can even add on for improvements. Right. But that's the only time. Okay. Like once you've purchased it, you can't come back and say, um, oh, I want to do I'm those renovations now. Can I add it into mm -hmm. my mortgage? Because yeah. now I'm tied to, well, it depends on what the property value is today. Right. right. Okay. Well, that, that clears things up on that note. I just, I do have one general question because everybody has, everybody has the bank that they'll typically work with, or they have people ask us about mortgage brokers, like you're at Main Street Credit Union. Uh, there's all sorts of financial institutions. So mm -hmm. what is the difference between, uh, you know, a traditional bank, a credit union, using a mortgage broker, how can people kind of look at those as as different options? Because every, every, just like realtors, everybody has their different taste in how they're oh, going to do things. Absolutely. So. The, the biggest difference between the credit unions and the banks is that the banks are owned by shareholders, like they're publicly traded, and but the credit union is owned by the members. So when you become a member of the credit union, you pay the $50 membership, okay. and that you become a member, you have, you know, you can go on the board if you decide, right. you know, you can, you have an option, you have a say. So it's and a bit more like a cooperative, is that? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a cooperative movement. Right, and right. basically, um, I feel I have worked in um, another financial institution before in a bank yeah. and the credit union is different on some levels because we have, we have more say and we tend to look more at the bigger picture. We have a little, okay, so our, we, we are it's a governed. little more community. You guys in Libro mm. are a little more, well, I guess all the banks are kind of community minded, but they just feel a lot bigger, the larger institutions. I feel like, I think there's a few more restrictions quite possibly, you know, but I well, mean, that being said, it's like, the thing is we are all governed by the same rules from the government. Right. We can only do 80%. We have right. to. 
uh, you know, in a conventional mortgage, in a refinance, we we are all governed by the stress test. Right. Like, our same, governance is all broker, the same. A mortgage broker too. Like. Well, a mortgage broker is different again because you go to see a mortgage broker and he's going to get you into the best rate possible. That's what he's looking for. Okay. He's getting somebody yeah. who will accept your application and give you a good rate. Would but, it be a bank then? Well, he will go off and get you that right. rate from all different banks. Right. However, that being said, that mortgage broker might be a friend of yours and you go through the mortgage broker, but once he's got your mortgage in place, you don't go to him if you have any issues. It's the bank True. that now holds the mortgage. Okay. He doesn't do the financing. He finds you somebody okay. who will finance okay. your mortgage. Okay. So, and that mortgage broker might find you the cheapest rate, but you also want to look at your discharge penalty. I always tell people that in case you sign on for that five-year term and maybe your circumstances change in two years and you come to us and say, Jeff, I need to sell the house. Right. My, I've got three years left of my term on my mortgage and we're going to say, go to your bank and find out what your discharge penalty is. And that's important to know up front because they can be quite pricey. Is that is that right? Well, Sandra? they're generally they're um, a 90 day interest rate penalty or an interest rate differential. So say, for instance, your mortgage was in at 6%. And then in three years time, mortgage rates are now four, just for ease of reference. Right. And as an institution, anyone, bank, credit union, that we're all the same on that note, um, we're looking at, okay, now you're, we've got to pay that mortgage out. We've got to discharge that, but we can't get that money out again at 6%. We can only get it out at four. So you pay the extra 2% to the end of your term. Right. Okay. Or a 90-day interest, whichever's the highest, right. basically. But right. if And is every if, mortgage the same, or does it depend, um, like each mortgage might have a different uh, policy for the discharge penalty? No. They're all no. the same? All the same. Okay. Yeah. But we try to, if that same member comes and needs to sell, wants to upgrade, you know, had, you know, extra children that they weren't expecting yeah. or whatever and need to upgrade, then we tend to try and we've got a number of things that we can do to, if the mortgage is staying with us to try and avoid that penalty. Yeah. Like there's diff like an interest rate blending and port the... it over. Yeah. So right. there are lots, lots of options to, to try and avoid that. Now, obviously, if the home's getting sold or going to another financial institute and we're not able to, to get those funds back, then the penalty has to be charged. Yeah. So obviously, lots of information. Uh, it's very clear why you need a professional working for you. Yeah. There's so yeah. many details. Uh, thank is. you, Sandra. Whether whether the professional you choose is Sandra Coombs at Main Street Credit Union uh, or the, the professional that you currently work with at your bank, uh, you'll be in good hands. And um, they obviously know what they're talking about. Uh, this is really important uh, quality information. Thank you so much for being with us, Sandra. You're welcome. Thanks, Thanks for inviting me. Uh, we're Homefield Group, and this has been another episode of Real Talk.